Hello and welcome to Say That Podcast, your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King, I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yeah, okay. Enthusiasm, as ever, is infectious. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Hello! Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Powered by Diet Dr. Pepper. Ooh, the DDP. No doubt. That's that's the official government record. He's, he's all hopped up on the DDP. <laughs> that's right. So uh, before we get into things this week, we'd like to to give a patented say that shout out. I'm pretty sure we invented that term. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we would like to uh, say a very uh, thankful hello to Miss LaVon. Yes. yes. Who's, who's super fan LaVon, who was not only yes. is a super fan of the podcast, but is a regular host team member at the bridge. Yep, that's right. And came to the bridge, helped, uh, served a lovely meal, greeted the people with her her team, her church, and said nice things about the podcast, and uh, that's the way you do that. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, and we also have to mention, not only did all of those things happen, which are great, but she also is a sender of of cookies. Very important. That's right. International cookies. Extremely, extremely important. Tim Tams, which I think technically are four, like three different cookies smashed together. They're the ultimate okay. cookie. Hey, wow. If you want to get on our good side, make with the cookies. Totally right. That's right. You can show up and serve our ministry and be helpful and you know be yeah. be kind and show the heart of the Lord to the people that we work with that we think so much of, and that's that's pretty good. That's good. That's like a seven out of ten. Yeah. Or you can make with the store bought cookies. That's the jam. Yeah. That's that's right. And on that basis, I declare my decision. <laughs> Is the emergency that you seem to be falling down some sort of hill? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's theater of the mind. Ooh. Here's what we're talking about. Uh, now I'm, I'm talking to Miss Lebon. We we're just mentioning her, and uh, we're talking about. Uh, she she quotes the podcast mm. to like a small group people and people in church. Random strangers on the street, sure. Uh, whoever, whoever it is, we refer to that as viral marketing. That's right. And uh, uh, I explained to her that uh, oh, you can just quote us and not give us credit, right? Uh, this, it, you know, this was a new thought for her. It's very Presbyterian, mm. you know. This, you know, everything has to be decent and in order, and there's no. Uh, well, know. and it's about sixty percent of, as I understand it, Presbyterian sermons are the bibliography. <laughs> That's right. That's There's right. a lot of quoting who yeah. wrote this, what year did they write yeah. it, what the kind of sandwich yeah. what kind of sandwich was he eating when he wrote it. Yeah. Well, it was, Par- it's very paragraph two on page yeah. thirty seven. Yeah. Uh, he- here's what I'm saying. You know what people want with church? A reading list. Yeah. That yeah. Here, we're trying to tell you right now, steal from this podcast. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. The, now here's what it is. You feel bad like, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to take somebody else's uh, amazing, unbelievable, earth-shattering wisdom that they're giving, and then pass that off as if it's my own. Right. But but here's the important thing that you, the listeners of Say That Podcast, should know. The professionals, the religious professionals who listen to this show, <laughs> steal everything that is not nailed down. Yeah. And... Have no shame about that whatsoever. And the religious well, professionals who are on this show. Yes. That's right. Here's the thing is is that it, it even started before the Say That podcast was a thing. I remember when we first started doing this kind of stuff, the advice stuff, it was on the tumblers. Yeah. And I remember uh, talking to you one time, Glenn, and you were saying, 
I'm telling you, I've got pastors writing into my blog anonymously with questions right. that they don't know how to answer in their group right. or their or their their small group or whatever. And then they, and then I'm writing out the answer on the on the the blog. It's very popular. And yes. then they're going out and giving. That answer yes. as their own original thought. That's correct. Yeah, and yeah. you have no problem with this. No, no, no. I don't. You know that that we have no problems with that whatsoever. This this podcast is designed to make you look amazing and brilliant. <laughs> and please steal every bit of it. You don't need to give us any kind of credit. We've stolen it from somebody else. Yep, right. I promise right. you. It's all been said before. Yeah, you know, that that book has already been written, and every smart thing anyone could say about it's already been said. You know, uh, in fact, I I will say this to you. I think the smarter and more capable a person is in in their ability to do ministry, the more they steal and the more enthusiastic they steal. They know what to steal. To that point, Solomon is regarded as the wisest man who ever lived and probably at least one of the authors of Ecclesiastes, which says there is nothing new under the sun. That book dates to about 2,400 years ago. Right. There was nothing new (laughs) as of 2,400 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There are many times, uh, you know, people who may be a little less familiar with our service, uh, but we have a bridge service every Tuesday, ex-cons. Addicts, um, people uh, living in a street lifestyle, that kind of stuff, uh, gang members, they'll come to the service every Tuesday, 7.30, and we have a rotation. We have three different pastors who bring a 10-minute message. We've found the best pastors we can and find. that's three anywhere. different pastors a week. There's a rotation yes. of different ones every week. Yeah, you come every week, it'll be a, a, an all-star team of the three best pastors we can find, and they rotate through, and then one of us will bring a little message. And... I can't tell you how many times I've seen the pastors coming up to each other and thanking each other because I wrote <laughs> down everything yes. you said. Yes. That's my yeah. Sunday sermon. Right, right, Thank right. you. That's one less thing for me to do this week. Yeah. Yes. We had a service uh, uh, recently where Matt was down in Tennessee at at here at Christ Community, and, and it was so very early. We did <laughs> we did a bridge style service. So we had one question. We had three. <laughs> Folks bring an answer to that, and I may or may not have just flat stolen something from Glenn without giving him any credit whatsoever. Ah, yeah, yeah. That that uh, occasionally happens every single week, hmm. <laughs> so. and you would never lower yourself to taking a point someone had said in our lunch meeting. Well, and then staring them in the eye <laughs> as you deliver it. See, uh, one of the things that's important in life is letting people experience what it's like from the other person's perspective. Ah. Ah. So I massively ripped off Matt. And if memory serves, this was on a week that Matt was also preaching. Mm. Yeah. And so I ripped him off. You also set the lineup. Yes, I did. And uh, he was preaching after me. So I took his point and then told everyone I thought of it. Right, while staring directly at Matt's face in the while back. it was doing quite well in the room. <laughs> oh yeah, the point was great. People loved it. But was it really mostly in the delivery, Glenn? I that's what I say. That's what you said out loud as yes. you passed me, <laughs> yes. leaving the stage. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Well, I, and those are those are good examples. I think it's important for us to give a blueprint for the stealing. Sure, I, I will take it. Uh, I will kind of take one notch up on Lee's there, as he mentioned. I was also preaching. Uh, that Sunday, if you, if you want, you can go to the Christ Community Church of Oak Ridge podcast feed right in your podcatcher here. And it's, I don't know, it's the last one in August. You'll figure it out. Our names are on it. 
You're smart people. Um, but so I'm just saying, and not only did I steal a thing Glenn said, I was telling it in the context of a conversation he and I were having. Right. And I ripped off the smart thing he said in that conversation <laughs> and gave it to myself. Right. As I'm telling the story about a conversation I was having with Glenn. Fantastic. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I, that's, I think the people should aspire and it's meta that. stealing that yeah, level of stealing. Yeah. And I think they can do it. I believe. Oh them. yeah. You, the, if anybody can do it, the people who listen to this podcast can carry that off. But you know, it feels like we may need really as a public service thing. Cause a lot of our folks are new to theft. Right. right. This is a new thing for him. Mm. Kind of some helpful left and right limits. Right. Okay. So you hear something on the podcast, you know, that's a good point. And you're sitting with your friend in their living room and they're describing a struggle they're going through in their life. And you think, mm-hmm. you know, that thing I heard on the podcast, that would really help in this moment. So right. respectfully, after earning the right to be heard in a gentle and, and understanding tone, dealing with their felt needs, you deliver this point that you learn from the podcast without offering any credit. Right. That yes. is good. That, that is, is correct. Good. That's good theft. Be. That's how you should do it. That's proper that stealing. doing it like the pros do. We, in, we invite that. Now, if you notice your friend's flat screen television mm-hmm. as you're sitting there in the living room and you get up and you take it and put it out in your truck, that's bad stealing. It, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, if you drive away with it, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. probably removing it from the mantle to begin with is a touch yeah. too far. That's uh, that you're on. Now your you way can't watch to... the game. You, right. You've torpedoed this all afternoon. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Similarly, you're driving along with you know maybe someone from your family, you right. know, and they're you know having a moment of vulnerability and and openness and whatnot, and they they have an issue, and you think of a thing you learned from the say that podcast, and you you relate that to them again without attribution. Right. Um, and right, they, right. they go, wow, that, that, that really helps, you know, and, and they're, they're driving, it's their car and it's relatively new and, you know, they're, they're driving and they're thinking like, man, that, that helps a lot. And you, you nod and you go, well, I'm, I'm really glad it helped. But then when they're at a stoplight, if you open the door and push them out and drive off with their car, that's bad stealing. That part is bad. That's okay. bad. Okay. So Everything up to that is fine. Up to that was perfect. That's right. good stealing. Right. The carjacking part though, that was bad. That's now, bad so- stealing. People can get confused because they think this was such good wisdom. Maybe I deserve a car. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Sure. But that's not how that works. Yeah. Well, what what if what if people want to steal other things from the podcast? Like, what if you're in the middle of a conversation, you think this person's a little out of pocket, and you just scream in the middle of a crowded restaurant, emergency! <laughs> well, you see, that's I think that's a key point. Uh, to Jed's very good point about kind of a public service style, let's give some tips and tricks. Yes. So, uh, Jed makes your point, uh, stealing of ideas, right. good, not of goods, right? things that have cash value, because that's, that's very legally actionable. Like, if, if a dollar bill is hanging out of their pocket, well, I, that, <laughs> that's you, a trap. That's, that's, yeah, that's right. They're not offering you that? <laughs> that's, not, that's, right. that's not how it works. <laughs> but, to, to, to Lee's point, I think it's also, we should give a couple of tips and tricks on doing the good stealing of other people's ideas. Okay. Right. We, again, we have a lot of experience. This is a key one that Lee brings to, which is, if we said it during the emergency, don't say that out loud to other people. Yeah, right. no, definitely that not. Is not a, this is not the wisdom-filled space. You right. mean Palpatine Jed is not welcome at most gatherings? <laughs> well, he's welcome at some, but we, you don't know which ones. That's if you're it. sitting there with your friend who's gone through a breakup, and they're just they're near tears, like, I'm just hurting, man, because I, you know, I thought she was the one, Get man. And it's, just, me. it's just, it's rough. And in that moment, you go, you want your girlfriend? Don't you? That's yes, bad. That's not that's, help. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't do that. That's not showing sensitivity. Break up. Go out. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. That's 
Yeah, we it, it well, you know, it it this is true. This is an actual true thing. We, if you talk to other preachers, they have a phrase for when they are stealing stuff. They'll say that'll preach. Yeah, that's that's what they mean when they say that's that. Fancying up, I just stole that. Yeah, yep. that's right. Well, and as Glenn points out, if you if you ever come to the bridge service on Tuesdays in Chicago, we'd love to have you. Email ahead. Um, uh, you'll see there. This kind of we have a spectrum of preachers. They're all very good. Some are a little younger. Some are a little more new. Some are very seasoned. So the younger ones, the ones who maybe a little more near the bridge, are like, you know, that was a really good point. Would you mind if I, you know, and this is true. This is one of my favorite preachers comes to the bridge. This guy is very high up in a very big denomination. I was making a point at one point, which this Glenn later told me this also means there's that'll preach, which if they're saying that about a, a point in general, that means I'm stealing that. If they're yeah. saying that to you, that means you didn't quite get all that one. That's yes. exactly right. I can preach that point. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's exactly what they mean. There's a guy, he's sitting there, and he's going last, because he's very good. So he's got his like notebook and his pages. And I said a thing, and he, as big as he could, opened his notebook, <laughs> pulled out his pen, put it all the way above his head, <laughs> yeah. and mimed dive-bombing it yes. to this piece of paper yes. and yeah. scribbling that down. Yeah. Yes. And then his whole sermon was preaching that point way better than I did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that, that's how you rise to the top. Yeah, and that, the good preachers, that's what it is. They hear that nugget of an idea, and they hear the whole sermon in their head, you know, yeah. And that's that, and that's actually, to make a serious point during the emergency, which I'm very uncomfortable with, uh, that's <laughs> why you should steal stuff, because yes. we don't know your friend. That's you right. Say, you don't have to tell them, oh, the podcast, they don't know, they don't know what that is. You say, here's the thing, you apply it to their life, you're doing the work. Yeah, that's right. We, yep. just, we gave you the little bit of a nugget, but in our, in our field, the person who says the thing one-on-one to the person's face is they're the one doing the work. It doesn't matter. You can come up with ideas all day. That's that's for sure. Well, and to build on that with one more deeply uncomfortable, serious thought in the midst of the emergency, good advice is rarely innovative. Yes. Right. And that's okay. really worth thinking about. So as an example, somebody says, I'm struggling with forgiveness. You know, these people did me wrong and I'm and I'm struggling with it. Almost all of the correct advice around that situation is going to boil down to the best revenge is living right. Mm -hmm. Almost Mm -hmm. all of it. It's just, you don't really have a good avenue to avenge yourself here without Mm -hmm. screwing up your life. And also God tells you not to. So on double counts, don't do that. Which means you have functionally two outlets. One is to be bitter about it, which is a terrible idea that will shipwreck everything in your life. The second is to decide you're going to live a good life for your own self. And let that in the long term both be satisfied to you and a testament against those who have wronged you. Yeah. That's pretty much what the advice is on that thing. If you try to adv- offer advice other than that, it's going to get into a weird territory yeah. really, really quickly. That's right. You should yeah. steal it and, and feel good about it. And and I'll say this uh, to maybe add a super serious point Ooh. to these two serious points. Mm. Sometimes you, you, you know, you, you hear something on the podcast it's like this is this is amazing, and I'm going to use this. Right, and then you use it, and you you don't mention who said that. Mm-hmm. That is correct, and you feel terrible inside. Like I feel so bad now. Yeah, let's address that. Ah, here's what you do: you you go into your house and you get out some flour. Right, get some sugar. Okay, wow, some butter. Yes, amen. You get a, a a pot and you begin to stir these ingredients together. Come on, put them on a cookie sheet. Put that in the oven. Yes. Make the cookies. You're saying mm. bake your thanks. Bake your thanks. Mm. Wow. Bye. Hashtag. 
hashtag that. I don't even know what that means, but... Thanks, baking. Thanks, baking. And put it in the mail, boom, to the address. We feel properly credited. Sure. P.O. Box 316, Forest Park, Illinois, 60130. And on that basis, I declare emergency off. Wow. I'm worried that if you follow Glenn's exact instructions there, we're going to get some awful, awful cookies. <laughs> well, I don't know how to make <laughs> there a cookie. There was no mixture. So, I was kind of, we, were all, I think we were all waiting for Glenn's knowledge of the cookie baking process yeah, to fall was, apart there. Yeah, yeah, and he I did very well to ripcord it to just kind of generalities. Yeah, that's right. With the things and to put it in the pot with the thing and chocolate. And if the Say That podcast is just not enough stuff for you to steal, if you've if you've ripped it off down to studs, not giving us any credit as well you shouldn't, you think, I just need more grist for this stealing mill, <laughs> may I suggest Bridgebox? MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox, only $8 a month. You'll get Bible studies you can steal from. You'll get sermons you can steal from. You can steal the songs and pretend you wrote them, but that'll, that'll get weird on some counts. Go nuts. I think it's great. I've just somebody at their you know, a suburban church, like, this is a hip hop song I wrote about uh, my struggle yeah. with drugs and overcoming that. And just, yeah. that's, you know, if, hey, if you can pull it off, more power to you. Well, the fun thing about claiming you wrote the song is you may get a response similar to what I've received, which is someone can say, wow, uh, that's really cool. Who, who wrote that song? Oh, I did. Oh, mm. you're not famous. That's right. Mm. So, hey, steal from us to either delight or depress your friends. There either you way, either we're way. happy either way. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox if you want to check that out okay we're gonna move on to our first question here it comes in anonymously it says hello hi my pastor recently preached about gossiping i'm a bit confused because i don't want to gossip but i'm confused about what is and isn't gossip like i like to learn about people and i like to share about people's stories thank you for your advice that's a great question and lee why don't you kick us off here i'd uh, love to um you know th- this is a this is a, a point that comes up fairly often where people um, you know, get in these conversations, especially if you're in any kind of ministry realm where you wind up figuring out how do I help people and 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 how do we figure out what's going on and, and can you help me kind of see my way through this conversation where you wonder where have I crossed the line over into, you know, trying to figure out somebody's situation into gossip. And, and clearly the 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 question that that you know can kind of keep us in the limits the easiest is the question. Would I say this to this person's face? I think we can all kind of, kind of see that as a as a great starting point. You know, the 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 thing that I'm the thing that I'm saying about this person. Would I say it to them? But I think that there's some more to some more to this to look at, which is underneath that layer. Um, what is the spirit of the thing that I'm saying? Um, in other words, like the the Book of Ephesians says that we're supposed to use the kind of words that build people up. The kind of words that that are not um, rotten words that that are critical or tear people down, and the question is, when I'm looking at you know somebody's life and I'm talking about them, even if I have some kind of critique to make or some kind of thing that I see that they could grow into or something that they maybe need to change, is that a conversation a that I would have to their face, and b can I have that conversation with them in a way where they feel built up, where they feel cared about, where they feel seen and known and understood, where they feel like somebody has come alongside them. There, There is a way to do that. There's a way to have that conversation where if they were to just kind of walk into the room, they wouldn't feel talked about behind their back in, in, a, in a bad way. They would feel like, man, I've got teammates. 
I've got teammates all over the place. I got people who are pulling for me to make it left, right, and center. This person wants to understand who I am. They understand where I'm coming from. They know me. They get my situation. I think the the question is, how can we talk about people in such a way that we try to understand their perspective? Uh, we try to understand why it makes sense that they've done the things that they do and and have that conversation. If, if I find myself talking about somebody, have that conversation in the exact same way that I would have that to their face. But also keeping in mind, I want to keep the, the, kind of, the, the kind of words that would build them up. The kind of words that if it's a, if it's a tough word that I would want to have with somebody, the, the kind of words that give them something to aim for that show them, I'm really on your team. Even though this is a difficult thing to listen to or this might not be the thing that you want to hear, it might not feel like the most encouraging thing, this really is a thing that will build you up. Um, I see something that you can aim for, and I think that, and I'd love to, to, to come alongside you and walk with you towards meeting that goal. Um, whereas, if it's just a thing where it's like, you know what, I like, to, I like to have this conversation, I like to know whatever I can know about whoever I can know, that's the kind of thing where we trip over and the Holy Spirit kind of gives us that word that this is not where we want to be. This is, this, is just, this is just that thing that the scripture talks about with gossip, where it tastes good, it tastes good when, you, when you first get a hold of it, but in the end it's bitter. And that's the kind of thing where we want to be on people's team, even if we have a hard word for them. It's a really great point. I think that's a perfect place to start. And Chad, I'd love to get you here. I think uh, Lee did a great job kind of giving us some some inroads into understanding what this is. And I think that, you know, what you say to this person's face is a great yeah. uh, concept. One of the things we don't want to go down the path of is just pulling this, that kind of oversimplifying this into positive and negative, Yeah, which is not exactly right. As the person mentions, you know, and this is certainly for those of us who have the kind of job we do, um, when you're, you can talk, you can mention something tough or uh, an issue or what would fall under the category of negative thing in someone's life without necessarily that sliding into gossip. Yep. So uh, can we go a little further and kind of uh, giving some definitions on maybe what some red flags or veering into that territory? We definitely can. And we're going to nerd out for a second um, mm-hmm. because particularly I have no idea if your pastor was attempting to be legalistic or not. Um, but what you're describing is something that could, that could easily get into a legalistic thing. Um, and whenever we're in danger of legalism, which again, as a reminder, legalism is kind of an over-focus on the rules as opposed to, to on grace. Whenever we're dealing with stuff that could be legalistic, it's actually really good and important to be very precise with our words uh, and very precise with our meanings. So to that end, the Bible does reference gossip. Let's find out exactly what it means. So an example is I'm in 2 Corinthians 12.20. You can read it for yourself, but basically Paul is listing off a bunch of bad stuff that he doesn't want to see happen. Um, And um, uh, one of those things is a word that's translated gossip. So I have journeyed to the Bible Nerdatorium. Uh, I've gone to BibleHub.com. I've uh, clicked on, I've gone to that passage, then I've clicked on the interlinear, uh, then I've clicked on the word that says gossip, and then I've clicked on summary. So now it's going to break down that word. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the Greek because I have no idea. But what matters is what it means. The word properly means a whispering to to quietly launch secret attacks on a person's character. Let me read that again. The word means properly a whispering to quietly launch secret attacks on a person's character. And I think Glenn's going to tell us uh, how to say the word. Oh, I have no idea. I'm not going to try that either. 
Yeah. You can look it up. You you have the keys to the Bible Nerdatorium, yeah, too. I, there's no chance I'm going to try that If one. you'd like to record yourself properly saying that word, we'll send you, I don't know, something that says the word say that on it. Sure. There you go. Absolutely. So we've got this crazy word none of us can say that, again, uh, a, a whispering to quietly launch secret attacks on a person's character. There you go. The question, if you want to know, am I gossiping, what is gossip is... Are you quietly launching secret attacks on a person's right. character? Right. <laughs> because that's what that word means. Um, really, we're at kind of a, a weird time globally in culture where people kind of just, they change the meaning of words to suit them, um, just like whenever they want to. And that's bad for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's really, really bad with biblical scholarship. Words have meaning. We need to be faithful to what the words mean. Um, gossip means to quietly whisper in a way that is launching an attack on another person's character. That, that's what that word means. That's what the Bible is saying not to do. So are, are you doing that? Are you uh, whispering in a way that quietly launches an attack on a person's character? If you are, then yes, you are gossiping, and we probably do want to move away from that. If you're not doing that, then you're actually not gossiping. Um, you may be doing other things that are not a good idea. Per, per what Lee is saying, you might be... Um, you might be talking in a way where you wouldn't say it to a person's face and there may be a lack of willingness to confront when you need to and that kind of thing. But that's, that's actually a little bit, it certainly can be a different issue. Uh, but the, again, to go back to where we started for a second, when we have something that could be veering into legalism, you know, a pastor is going to stand up and tell us this is a sin and it's bad and you shouldn't do it. We want to be really, really precise about what that word means, what that sin actually constitutes. You say, I like to learn about people and I like to share about people's stories. Um, there's nothing inherent in either of those that has anything to do with quiet whispering to launch a malicious attack on another person's character. So you're probably doing okay. If you're loudly whispering to launch a malicious attack on someone's character, maybe doesn't fit the description, probably still bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Glenn, I, I would love to get you to close it out here, which I think you are uniquely qualified to do. So yeah. I mentioned in the blog post to answer this question, Glenn has one of the uh, more hilarious and straightforward ways to deal with uh, the necessity of a job that is oh, oftentimes, as a ministry staff, we have to talk about people while they're not there. Mm -hmm. You know, as a pastor, like, oh, we think this guy would be great for your church, he's this, that, and the other, or... You know, we, oh, we didn't tell you about this, this residential program and it's going great. And this guy, this guy was just saying, it is. oftentimes I'll be having the bridge and the person will walk by it's, it's, mm. and Glenn will yell at full volume. Come here. We're talking about you. That's right. <laughs> and they walk over and he tells them the thing. Yeah. So I, I think in that kind of vein, we've, I think we've looked, these guys gave a great uh, definition for what gossip looks like, mm -hmm. but in that gray area that our friends talk about here were. Uh, I'm discussing a person. I'm talking about details of their life. There's no malice. I'm not launching anything. What makes that different? Well, yeah, I, because I think part of what you're touching on here is that you can have sort of a looseness where you're not paying attention to what you're talking about, mm -hmm. and that can right. hurt people. You can sort of sort of a loose lip sync chips <clears throat> yeah. kind of a thing. That happens a lot, and 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 sometimes that's just kind of a bad habit. You have mm -hmm. just a way of talking, and that's maybe not a malicious intent like the kind of stuff that Jeb was talking about, but it can do damage, and we we need to be careful about those kind of things. In uh, that, that is, in my mind, sort of a different category mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. really what we're talking about here. Um, here's one, you know, let's talk about moving forward, how we deal with this the right way. You know, we're looking at what are, where are the wrong elements of this. First of all, I want to encourage you to find 
when when you when you have a problem in a certain situation, where, let's say you have a problem at work, to find someone outside that situation who can be a mentor or a pastor or a Bible study leader, even a parent, if you if you can trust their insight on things, that's outside of that situation to talk about it. Uh, because that sort of eliminates any possibility of that being a rumor. If you go to your coworkers and say, "How about this boss? What a jerk!" Then you're, you're the, then you're campaigning. That's a different thing. Yeah. To me, that's the thing about gossip: is I'm trying to get more people on my side because we're about to have a mutiny here. Yes, uh, and th- that's that's where we have to really look out for that. But if I'm going to someone outside that situation, the dynamic shifts dramatically because their objective hopefully you know fairly objective they might be more inclined to take your side that's normal but you can vent uh in a way that's not going to cost you anything but there's also an interesting thing that happens when you explain why you're mad about something where you 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 understand it in a deeper way on the basis of that explanation there are times where you'll say well this person just has a face you just don't know there's a face and there it's a face and also i i hadn't had any breakfast and i was late and you know my, my thing happened but there's also the face but maybe it was me you know you there, there are many times people explain to me what's going on with the situation and they work it out as they're explaining it to me and that's fine that's good we want to encourage that so talk to a leader a, a mentor but someone who's outside of that dynamic that has nothing to do with it uh, so you can get that outside perspective and it doesn't create this uh, mutiny, this campaigning for an overthrow here. But the second thing I want to ask is, are you a leader dealing with this? Because that's an entirely different thing. So if someone's coming to me for counseling and they're saying, I have this problem, I need to be able to talk to another leader about this person's situation because I need advice on what to say or do. I mean, you know, all of us in professional ministry get hit with stuff all the time. We have no idea what to do. So if it's a woman talking about a struggle and I'm a man, maybe I go and talk to my wife or I talk to another woman I know of in ministry, and I'll say, let me tell you about somebody I'm trying to help. You don't know them. You don't know the situation. This is, you know, and I'm not going to mention their name in case you ever do meet them, but here's what's going on in, in, in getting advice. Uh, professionals do that with each other all the time. They that's that's eighty percent of my life is that of right. of other, other professionals saying, "I got this thing and I just don't know." Uh, so, if you're a leader, you need to be comfortable with finding another leader where you can get that uh, feedback on, get that help, be, get a sounding board going. Um, one last little thing I want to tack on the end of this, though. Um, I'm hearing this word gossip come up more and more and more, and I'm I'm beginning to be suspicious that there might be pastors out there who are saying, if I don't treat you well, don't mention that to somebody else because that's gossip. You know, if I'm a jerk to you in a meeting and you tell somebody else I'm a jerk, that's gossip. Well, is it gossip or... <laughs> When someone says, why are you not going to that church or to that meeting or that... No reason. No reason at all. You're in a position to either lie, that's option number one, uh, and that's to protect bad behavior and create other situations where other people get hit with that bad behavior. The the other option is to 
you know, be honest about that and find a way to explain, you know, we had our differences of opinion and, and we, we did not meet eye to eye. Uh, I can tell you what my perspective on that is, but you should get his perspective and you should make your own decision, those kinds of things. But it's important for us to recognize that we don't need to feel pressured to keep silent when we see something that really needs to be addressed and people need to know about. Yeah. That's another really important point there is that, uh, it's hard to launch a uh, malicious attack on, on someone if they did it. That's again, a different category of gossip. Um, and a a couple other, just kind of fill in the details and some of the great things these guys are saying. One is, it's very important to remember that you don't have to say something behind someone's back to be gossiping about them. Sure. You can do the classic, I think we should really pray for so-and-so because, boy, they're having a hard time. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but they're really having like a... It's like it's like a really interesting story of a hard time. It's like pretty compelling. And you guys probably won't ask me about it first, but we should pray for them. It's, so, it's kind yeah. of a mess, and I can't get into it. Uh, it was a lot of very sensitive details, so we should really pray for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's there's the... If, if the will of the gospel is there, that's kind of what that sounds like. And another thing, and it's a very good and interesting point that Glenn kind of brought up about the, the pastor angle here. One of those is what also might be happening is engaging in a, in a behavior we call uh, trying to fix problems from the pulpit, mm-hmm. which is always a massive failure. Yes. But, and that, here's a way that ties into you. You say, well, there must be a big problem with gospel in this church. It must be a big deal if he's given a whole sermon about it. Maybe. It may be that there's one person yeah. who's doing this. Yeah. And instead of pastor talking to them, yeah. they're just trying to solve this via sermon. Yeah. So, and I say that, and again, that's a bad thing because it never works. And mm. it's your, but the other thing is you need to give yourself permission as someone in the pews to say, does this apply to me? Right. Think that through and be open to the answer being no. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's right. bad to gossip. So you mm-hmm. should take that on a board and say, okay, well, you know, these are things I will keep an eye out for. And I understand that his point about this. But that idea that because it's being said from the the pulpit, the pastor must have thought it through, and this applies to almost everyone, is kind of the opposite of the way it goes in a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not it's not a criticism. Everybody tries it at some point. Mm-hmm. It's always again from a ministerial standpoint, it's a bad idea to try to solve problems from the pulpit. Absolutely. But one of the reasons is this: he may literally be preaching this to two or three people. Right. So give yourself permission to I say. I mean, I like talking about people's stories, but I'm not mean about it. I'm not trying to start any drama. So. Nope, I don't. I don't think. I don't think this one's for me. I'll come back next week and we'll see what that is. It's nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean you're missing something. So give yourself permission to think that way. All right, we're gonna move on to our next question here. We mentioned Bridgebox. This is this month's August uh, September 2018's Bridgebox topic. Ooh, which uh, we want to. Uh, we'll give you a little preview of the things we're talking about because it's, it's a really good and meaty topic. And again, if you sign up or if you're Bridgebox Scrabby, you'll get uh, songs based on this. You also get. Uh, sermons from Glenn and I uh, directly uh, addressing it at the bridge and uh, a little Bible study about all that stuff. So let's get into this here. It says, how do I love people when I can't respect them? Sometimes I see people do something or I hear them say something and I just lose all respect for them. Maybe I have the wrong attitude, but I can't help how I feel. Even if I love you, some things just aren't right. What else am I supposed to think? And the, uh, the actual bridge box topic uh, is shortened to how do I love someone I can't respect? And what you just heard is the full topic that we preached on at the bridge. We built that service around. And Jed, you, you're the person who uh, oversees and picks Bridgebox topics. So why was why did you think this was something that you'd picked up that a lot of people might uh, be dealing with? 
Well, that's a great question. I, I think um, there are two key reasons why. The, the first is because this gets into a, um, a confusion that I think a lot of people have on the difference between love and trust and respect, which are all three different things, and we'll get into that in a minute. And the second is for a variety of reasons, and, and a lot of them actually dealing with politics, um, we're seeing an increasing trend of people um, dealing particularly with people in their families, sometimes in their churches, but particularly in their families where it's dad or it's grandpa, and I realize I love this person, but based on the things they support, I can't respect anything about them. Um, I mean, just all respect has been lost and I don't really know what to do there. So how do I, how do I live now? Which is a, a tough thing and it's, it's a difficult thing, but fortunately there, there are answers for it. And interestingly, kind of like with our first question, a lot of where we want to start with this has to do with precision. When we're dealing with thorny problems, precision is our friend. So we really want to embrace that. So there are three separate things uh, that we need to look at. Love, trust, and respect. It's really easy, particularly in American culture, to lump those all three together. Those are separate things, and we need to treat them separately. So let's start with some basic definitions. To love someone is to be devoted to their good. That's functionally speaking what it means to love someone. And as a Christian, you are called to love all people at all times and all seasons, regardless of anything they do or don't do. You're called to love your family, you're called to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're called to love your enemies. That pretty much covers all of humanity. That's, yep. that's it, with, with no exceptions. So we are called to be devoted to other people's good, no matter what, whether they do a good job, whether they're nice to us, no matter what. Now, next is the idea of trust. Trust is an expectation of behavior. And typically we mean an expectation of good behavior. You know, I, I trust Bob, meaning we, we trust Bob to behave well. And if we want to be really precise about it, which we do, trust in a sense is always limited in scope. I don't trust Bob with everything because that would be weird. I trust Bob to show up on time because the last 10 times we've had a meeting, he's always been punctual. Therefore, I trust that Bob will show up on time. Um, I trust Glenn with a great many things. I don't trust him to fly a plane because he's not a pilot. It would be weird to trust him on that. I could fly a plane. You don't even know. And it feels like if you loved him, you give him a chance. If you were to go to flight school, I would be happy to extend that trust to you. He saw, he's seen Top Gun like 80 times. That's, that's basically <laughs> flight school. I'll tell you what, my best friends call me Maverick. Well, do, do, do others call you Iceman? Sometimes. Okay, good, good. Still, though, not interchangeable for having gone to flight school. I can play volleyball on the beach. You don't even know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good note. But one is volleyball. The other is piloting an aircraft. He so. is always listening to Kenny Loggins. <laughs> I don't know what more you need, Jed. You don't know, sold me. Let's, let's get in a plane. If you're too young to have seen Top Gun, please email <laughs> us. Because I'm starting to veer on where these cutoffs are. Right. <laughs> okay, but this is actually really good, right? Because, um, you know, trust... Trust is earned. You earn my trust to be my pilot by going to flight school. If you haven't gone to flight school, definitely not letting you pilot my aircraft. And that trust again, and this is, is key now, trust is earned always in all relationships. Your pastor must earn your trust. He, you should not give him your trust. He must earn it. Your parents must earn your trust. Amen. You should not just give it. All people in all seasons must earn your trust. That's the healthy dynamic with trust. All of love is given. All of trust is earned. All right. Now we arrive at respect, which is yet 
a different thing entirely and it's starting to feel complicated, but you're doing great. Hang in there. We're going to get there. Respect in a way is an esteem that we hold people in. And it's a little tricky because there's actually two kinds of respect. There's respect that is tied to a person's behavior. And in that sense, it's pretty similar to trust. And then there's respect that we owe a person on the basis of their status or position. And in that sense, it's very similar to love. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. We mentioned that part of the reason that we're looking at this topic is because a lot of people, particularly as it relates to political stuff, are having trouble in their family, right? There's people I love, but man, I can't respect them. Okay. My, my grandfather on my dad's side has, has passed away and may he rest in peace. It would be very difficult to describe him as a good man. Um, it would be very easy to describe him as the opposite of that. He, he was a very, very difficult person that really struggled to do well at a great many things. Now, I do owe him a certain kind and amount of respect because he is in the position of my grandfather. Therefore, you know, in the South, one of the ways that we show respect is by calling someone sir. So if I was dealing with him, I would call him sir. Not because his behavior merits it, but because he holds the position of my grandfather. Therefore, I want to show that respect for him. Now, on the other hand, anything with respect where he would earn it through his behavior, he has catastrophically gone in the opposite direction. So um, if he offers advice on my life, I'm not going to act on any of it because he hasn't earned the respect that where I would act on his advice, he's actually earned the opposite. So we have this odd thing where we can respect a person based on the position they hold, even as we wildly have no respect for the behavior that they're engaged in or the character that their choices reveal. And that puts us in an odd position where I think that can, it can feel disorienting if nothing else, but where we are showing, if nothing else, deference for a person, even as we don't hold their character or their decisions or their behavior in any kind of good esteem, nor should we. If we can hold those differences all together, that there's love, which we owe everyone, there's respect, which must be earned in all cases, and then there, there's trust, which must be earned in all cases, and then there's respect, which kind of splits the difference a little bit, because there's both you know, titular respect, but also behavior your respect. Um, that's a lot to hold in our heads, but if we can do that, then we can begin to answer this question in our own unique specific situation. That's a fantastic intro. It covers a lot of ground, which hopefully will open uh, the, the other, these other guys up to get in some really good specifics and some practical stuff on this. And Glenn, I'd love to get you here because I think one of the key tensions to this that Jed is pointing out that I would love to get us into a little bit more is that idea of the, the emotional tension of loving someone but not respecting them. Right. One of the things that ha- is happening in this question is that there's this is not just I love someone and I don't respect them. This is I something happened and I lost respect for them. Right. So that can and we don't want to discount the emotion of that, but how mm. do we continue to navigate that so that we kind of de- we kind of divide these things that we used to treat as one thing. Yeah, well, I think it is difficult. I mean, you know, there there are some things you hear a person say, you just kind of can't unhear that yeah, and right. it kind of it changes the way that you see them. And uh there's I've literally made this noise at Thanksgiving before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, uh I I've I've literally made this noise in mid-sentence. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, no, 
No, we don't say those things. So yeah, there 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 are various levels of confrontation, but it it really boils down to the same thing of uh you know, people that you love can sometimes really let you down. You know, you have a high feeling for them, a high regard for them, and then they reveal a bit more about themselves and you realize, okay, this I thought this was a different thing. But here's the thing about that I want to address. If you have love for somebody, love, the virtue of love, God, godly virtue of love, love also gives us understanding. Those two go together. Having Love and wisdom work hand in hand. If I love this person, I, I care about them enough, and I'm praying for them enough, and I'm trying to see things from God's perspective enough to where I have an understanding. So a grandpa who listens to a certain news channel and says something unspeakably horrible, uh, I, I, you know, we, we can't absolve him of that. We can't ignore that, which is another problem we want to make sure we aren't getting into either of just sticking our head in the sand and pretending these things don't exist. That doesn't help people. That's denial. That's the other direction from understanding. That's the other direction from wisdom. I want to I want to be able to take that head on, but I need to ask myself, how did this person come to this place where they're saying this thing, doing this thing? That's super, super, super important because that puts their you know sometimes awful behavior in context, and it it makes it easier to understand, easier to have patience, easier to have understanding about that, and 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 deal with it. But it also puts our own behavior and our own thoughts in context. Uh, yeah. If I was only going on the information this person heard, would I have a similar viewpoint? Maybe I put it different, but would I have the same kind of thing? Uh, th- these things exist in the world. Brainwashing, that happens. There is propaganda out there. There is polemics out there. There, it, uh, Like we are talking about, uh, politics stuff can just get crazy, and people lose their minds off of that. Left, right, or center, people just go nuts over it. And they'll, they'll get themselves worked up into a fit, and they'll say something they maybe only halfway mean, but they're just frustrated with themselves and their own lives and their own struggles, and they feel powerless. And they and so they're, they're just lashing out, and this is how it's manifesting itself. But if you see those underlying things, you can say, well, sometimes I feel powerless. Sometimes I feel afraid. Sometimes I, I have the same things, and it's not driving me to the same behavior but it could, and so I'm, I'm not in a position to say this is a bad person. I am in a position to say this is a horrible thing that's being said. Right. Uh, if I can put those in, into those categories, the, put this behavior and the, the, the talk and um, inappropriate stuff in those categories, I can now deal with that person. I can deal with that disappointment without it ruining that relationship. It's a fantastic point. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick up maybe another angle on this, which is uh, Glenn is absolutely right about, you know, the way to handle that. And he's given us some really good stuff there for, uh, as we would talk about in kind of our ministry philosophy, when you have the right to be heard, when you're, when you can make the pushback when you can have that conversation. But uh, oftentimes you got to wait a little bit for that. And there's a, uh, there's holidays, there's road trips, there's whatever, where you just got to be around this person who may be right. saying this nonsense. So what is the, just the, bare bones tomorrow practicality of showing the love, but not having any of the other stuff actually look like? Um, this is a great question. I th- and it's an, not only is it an important one, but it, it, it goes, it dovetails right along the lines of what Jed and Glenn are talking about so far, because um, 
one of the things that I love that Glenn was pointing out was that if you have, if you realize I'm in a place where I have lost respect for this person, maybe they're in my family or friend group or whatever, and I don't trust, um, you know, I don't trust them to be able to behave in a certain way in, in, in certain situations, but I do have this squeeze of love for them. And I do want the, I am, as Jode said, I am devoted to their best. How are we going to have this relationship? I actually had this situation extremely recently in my own life with a family member. We're in a text message conversation, having a great time, enjoying some sports from far away, um, and uh, just kind of texting about, we're both kind of watching the same game. And out of nowhere, he takes a massive left turn and just, just, just starts firing away on a uh, you know on a really you know touchy political thing and it was almost kind of like a weather balloon you know how are you going to respond i don't know that he meant it that way but um you know and when it came in it was one of the when the when the text came in on the phone i was telling my wife my first you know the first thing that occurred to me was ignore this and wait till the next great play that we can both comment on on this game. You know, that's the temptation is just ignore this. But the love that I had for this dude uh, made me say, no, I, I actually I actually want this relationship. And this is where it gets into the practicality, which is what relationship can we have while not doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. And this is something that we've touched on before, but I want to encourage you if you if maybe you have heard it, maybe you haven't. Do not uh, underestimate the value of a surface level relationship with those people that you're related to. Amen. That's Say one that. thing. But another thing, and this is related to that as well. Uh, there, even if you do have something even deeper than a surface level relationship. It is okay to have a relationship with someone where you both decide as friends, we're not going to talk about this subject. Um, The way this played out was I decided that to ignore it was a temptation, a temptation I was going to rise above, and I shot back the text message that said, I want you to know that I love you, and, um, and I want us to agree to be friends and not discuss this subject. I don't think this will go well. How do you feel about that? And what this was actually doing was, this was, if you can, if you can dig it, extending a chance for this person to, to make peace. It was a bid. I'm, I'm going to make a bid, and I'm going to see how you respond to the bid. Now, you learn a lot about that relationship in that moment. Some people are going to respond to that situation terribly. They're going to double down, and they're going to go in guns blazing, choo-choo-choo-choo, and they're going to take you down. And then you know this person cannot handle this relationship. What I happened to learn in that situation was this person answered back and, and said, I understand. That sounds fine with me. Let's, let's, yeah, let's have that. Exactly what you said. Now that's a cool thing because I, you know, I made that I, I made that bid out of my love for this person, and he uh, made the same bid back. I'm not going to change his mind. He is certainly not going to change my mind on this situation. But we both demonstrated. Um, I may not agree with you on this viewpoint, but I do want this relationship with you. I'm not saying that every time you make a boundary step like that, it's going to work out that way. It's not always going to work out that well. But 
um, you you do find out what kind of a relationship you have in that in, by making plays like that. You find out, no, I need to have a completely surface level relationship with this person, or I need to extend a little bit of trust here, a little bit of trust here, a little bit of trust here to see how they handle that, how they behave in those situations. And, and in doing this, you find out what is our relationship like and how can we do this? It's all really fantastic stuff from all these guys. And again, for more on this particular topic, you can check out the September 2018 edition of Bridgebox. We're going to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, I'm in a prolonged battle with my ex-landlord about my security deposit. The landlord is withholding $100 and claiming that the apartment needed to be cleaned, even though I have cleaned it meticulously and had pictures and a walkthrough saying that it was spotless. I'm threatening legal action and looking to expose their malicious practices that they've done to other tenants that I have spoken to. My question, though, is, as a Christian, do you fight for justice on principle or turn the other cheek? And Glenn, I, I really like this question as it comes in. There's a big theoretical on this, but there's also, it's, it's the way big theoretical questions actually come up in our real life. I think sometimes the quest, on the podcast, we get somebody who goes through a situation and then just hits us with the, the big picture question. This is mm-hmm. a very realistic portrayal of how it's tied to a real life thing. So how do we start with this? Well, first and foremost, we we are sorry this is happening to you yeah. because this is definitely shady behavior. Uh, so let's start there and let's make sure that that that's an understood thing, and we're going to move forward on uh, on that basis. Uh, you you said that this is do I as a Christian fight for justice or turn the other cheek, and I think. The trying to look at the morality of that, trying to look at the theology of that, might not be the best way of of organizing our thoughts on this. Let's organize it this way: There's justice. We're going to have that on one side of this equation. On the other side of this equation, we're going to have peace of mind. Amen. And uh, there's a point where we are uh, fighting uh, some amazing cause that we didn't really want to fight, and that it's not that epic of a deal and uh suddenly we we we've put more than a hundred dollars worth of effort and grief right. into this pretty quickly actually pretty quickly so you know what's going on now this person's counting on that that's what makes it shady and you're absolutely right about that the injustice is is real but i think it's important for us to look at um a a principle that allows us to determine whether we're Put, we're putting this on the right side or the wrong side. And that uh, that starts with confrontation. Here's the thing. When somebody's done something wrong by you, you feel hurt and you feel offended. And that's going to cause you to kind of withdraw within yourself. And you feel like you're sort of back on your heels. You don't know what to say. And you're kind of trying to plead your case, even though you know on some level this person's being shady. So it's not right. about the case. It's It's the situation. This is what we're looking to do. We're looking to define what's going on and give people who are doing something shady a clear choice of what's going on. That means confronting this person and saying, this is a clean apartment. You know that this is wrong. I know this is wrong. If you want to do it, you're going to do it. I'm a Christian. This is I'm not a wealthy person. You can absolutely rip me off and nothing and no one can stop it. But you need to know who you're taking this money from. You need to know what this is about. 
You need to be aware of the choice that you're making. I want to give you a chance to rethink it. I want to give you a chance to make a, a to think maybe just take another lap around the old apartment. Whatever you decide, that's how it's going to be. You're in charge. You're in control. If you want to make this a, a, a thing and you want to take this money from me in a way that you know is not appropriate, you go ahead and do that. But it's important for you to understand the stakes of what's going on. That's a big confrontation to make to somebody. Yep. But that's if 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 we're if we're going to go down to the road of justice at all, that's the first step. Sure. That's the part I think people don't understand. Give give me another example. Very quickly, I had a problem with uh, in the inner city. Uh, we had a young lady who was living in uh, a house that was owned by a, a, a gang that I was working with. The gang owned the house, and they used the house for uh, weighing and distributing uh, non-licensed pharmaceuticals. Ah. And um, Your Tylenols, your ibuprofens. Or, or other things. And um, she's living in that house, which is not meant to have anyone living in it, because that's the whole thing. The cops raid it. There's no one living there, no one for them to arrest. Uh, so it's super bad that she's living there, and I'm trying to minister to the guys in that neighborhood. And they said, "Well, th- they were sort of suggesting, without saying it openly, as a show of good faith, why don't I help this gal that's living in their dope house, and that would kind of show that I care." And that's a sort of a test they're putting in my life. I said, "Tell her to get her stuff. I'm going to drive her home right now." So we drive to her house, and uh, her mom doesn't want to let her stay there. And uh, she's got other kids, and she's living with the father of those kids, and that father doesn't want to raise this child that's that's uh, staying in the dope house. And I said, I I understand that situation, and um, I I think I've got a good feel for the facts. Here's what I want you to know: I am my name's Glenn Fitzgerald. I'm a man of God, and I'm asking you, as a man of God, to fulfill your responsibility to raise this child. She's only got a year left of high school. She can do that. She can get out on her own. We'll help her do that. But I'm I'm asking you, as a man of God, to do the right thing before God and move this child back in your house. Uh, this woman looked me dead in the eye and said, nope, I'm not going to do that. We uh, grabbed the gal, took her to my car, drove her to our house, where my wife proceeded to spoil her rotten. Uh, and that uh, On a moment's notice, as be- I recall the story. That all happened on the way home. I woke her up from a sleep, <laughs> and she, she rolled out the red carpet, had a, a new toothbrush. Who has extra toothbrushes? Well, my wife does for this, you know, bedroll, whole thing. But the other half of that story was the, the next morning, two uniformed police officers knocked on this mother's door and told her, we are going to take you to jail. And you will go to jail and stay in jail if this child is not in this house and being raised by you. Now, that's your justice, okay? But if I hadn't taken the child to the mom and given the mom the clear sense of right and wrong in the situation, it would have just been cruel for me to call the cops on her in that way and have it go down in that kind of fashion. So it's important for us to be able to draw those lines for people. That's absolutely right. That is definitely the ninja level stuff. And that is all a really good foundation. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up here and maybe let's, let's uh, take this from a, a basic standpoint, go in a different direction with it. Uh, this is not so much the original question, but to the spirit of that our friend asked it is this appears to be a practical uh, solution in the search of a spiritual answer, right? Which happens all the time. And it's not to say there's a spiritual um aspect to the way you should comport yourself in this. There certainly is. And Glenn 
definitely gave us a good example of that. You know, you do want to actually have the courage that walking with Jesus goes on. You want to have that, that gentleness that that has in this situation. But there's also just at some point, this idea of not every decision that is a spiritual one is grand. This is not the moment of, do I turn the other cheek at a moment of Christ-like humility or do I stand up for what is right? Is some point the the godly wisdom says it's a hundred bucks. That's yep. a bummer. I'm folding. So how do we how do we look at this spirituality of these kind of more mundane things without uh, trying to inflate them into something more than they are? Well, I, I, I'm just like you, man. I love the way the question was posed because we have the we we have somebody looking at a at an actual practical moment in their life and they're asking. What do I do as somebody who follows Jesus? That's fantastic. And that's an awesome thing. But I think that what can happen sometimes when we do, even when we do that, which is the, that's the right instinct and that's the right way to do that, is that we can, we can very quickly um, pigeonhole ourselves into one or the other thing. So we have, I think that it's possible we've reduced it down to I'm either the Christian who turns the other cheek or I'm the Christian who fights for justice. Um, and, and I think that it, we, we may have some other possibilities in here and they may, they may appear to be unspiritual possibilities. One thing that Glenn is absolutely right about was, is the idea that, that, you know, by and large, you get your security deposit back. That, that is the way the world is supposed to work when you have an apartment lease and all that kind of stuff. The, the only caveat in there is if there's a person like your landlord, who is uh, taking people's security deposits, they are the exception, and they're really good at getting those. They do it to everybody. They do it all the time. They know exactly how to work that. Um, It's one of those things where I hate to say this to you, but um, you're never seeing that money again. And I, I, I want to say that with, I'm sorry that it's happening. I'm, I'm just like Glenn. I'm sorry you're in this situation. It sucks. It is unjust. It's not right. As a person who believes in Jesus, I don't believe all the stories are over yet. And I, I do believe God wants justice for you and for everybody that has been treated in an unjust way. And I don't think he's done with folks yet. There's a place in Psalm 56 that says he has written down all of our tears in a scroll. And to me, that sounds like a hit list. So, you know, do with whatever you want with that. But that's what that scripture says to me. But I do think that we have other options besides just, it's either I turn the other cheek or I, I'm fighting for justice. Sometimes you look at this and say, in an un, with an unspiritual answer, um, exactly as Glenn said, by the time I hire a lawyer, by the by the time I start fighting this thing, I'm way outside of the hundred bucks. I love what Glenn said about the peace of mind. And the other thing that I think about this is, could it be that this situation is giving you, like, you know, to, to take that to take that ire that you feel over being treated unjustly, which does suck and is wrong, and to ask the Lord, like, hey, are you giving me some empathy and some fire for? Um, for getting involved in, in 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 finding out how I can help other people that find themselves in this situation, maybe the Lord is opening your scope up to to kind of see a, a place where you can get involved serving folks. So I think there's some so there are some subtle pieces in this. I love the way you ask the question. Love where your motivation, where your heart is, and but I think there's some subtlety in here that the the deeper we dig, we find some other possibilities. That's a really really great point. And Jeff, let me just close out here. 
And it's something that both Glenn and Lee have talked about. I think it's a very important point to this and maybe get to kind of the heart of what's going on here. Let, let's talk about justice. Yeah. Because it's a good thing. Sure. It's a godly virtue. It's also something there's precious little of. Yep. And as Lee points out, um, a lot of times in life we find ourselves in a position uh, where we aren't able to force justice to occur. Yeah. So what are we meant to do with that? Well, to mirror what both Lee and Glenn have already said, I'm really sorry that they're ripping you off, dude. Um, and I'm I'm sorry both because it's wrong, full stop, but I'm also sorry because I'm a dude who's been ripped off a lot. So I, I know what that feels like. Um, and... Uh, I don't know that I have a perfect answer, but I can I can tell you what I've lived out, and hopefully that's helpful to you. The, the first thing is there's no amount of you getting angry that's going to fix this. I think yeah. one of the great American lies is that if we get angry enough and upset enough and wound up enough, it'll force the situation to resolve. 1776, they decided they weren't going to take it anymore. And boom. You got a certain set of skills. That's exactly that's right. I'm going to Liam Neeson this thing. And and here's the thing. No you're not. No you're not. That money's gone, dude. Um, and, and neither does anybody else. And neither does anybody else, yeah. This idea, though, and it's really worth confronting, that if I get angry enough and mad enough and wound up enough, it's like they'll just sense how enraged I am and they'll relent. No, they won't. What you'll do is you'll ruin your day and you'll ruin your week and you'll ruin your month. I was looking up as we're sitting here. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, the average American household income comes out to about 30 bucks an hour. Um, and, um, so for the average American household, you're talking about, you know, a little over three hours that they're depriving you of, of your, of your wages to be clear, that doesn't excuse anything. And a lot of people make way less than that. So it's, you know, significantly more than three hours, but I think at a certain point you've got to ask yourself, um, is it worth a hundred dollars to you to not have to think about this anymore? Uh, to just, as Glenn says, to have some peace of mind and and let it go. Because the alternative is to get really, really upset and really, really angry and really, really mad and ruin your day and still wind up out $100. <laughs> Here, here's a funny thing that I've learned about injustice is you can't fix your own injustice. Mm. Yep. If you could, no one in the world would deal with injustice. Wow. Because we'd all fix it. That's the nature of injustice is you can't fix your own injustice. Mm. These guys have you over a barrel. There's an expression, at least in, in the U.S. in law, it says possession is nine-tenths of the law. The person who currently has it is pretty much going to keep on having it 90% of the time. They have it. So that's, that's how this is going to end. But I want to go to what Lee said, which is really, really important, which is, is God giving you an opportunity to get some righteous anger that can be used to help someone else. Mm. Because with Glenn's story about helping the young lady that needed a place to live, that's an amazing story. And part of the dynamic there is Glenn is doing something about someone else's injustice. That's right. This young lady didn't really have the power to fix her own situation. That's why she was in a crappy situation. Other people, in this case, Glenn and Jane, were able to step in and access resources that the aggrieved party could not and do something that the aggrieved party could not. They were able to be agents of justice on behalf of someone else. And that's really critical and really important. And no doubt, part of what the Lord wants you to take away from this situation. There's one more thing, too, though. And this is, I know this seems weird, but but hear me out. Um, I'm guessing from your question that money's pretty tight for you right now. And I'm really sorry about that. I really, really am. 
money will not be as tight in your future as it is today. Probably. Because most people, they earn a bit more as they get a little bit older, and then they earn a bit more, and then they earn a bit more. You may never be rich, and given the realities of life in 2018, you probably won't be, but you you probably will have a little bit more economic breathing room someday than you do today. You're going to have moments in your life where you have the opportunity to screw somebody else over. You are. Those moments are coming. Mm. And in those moments, remember what this felt like. Remember what it felt like to have someone cheating you out of $100. Because part of what you're dealing with, and rightly so, is a sense of $100 really matters to me. That's a couple weeks of groceries. And this company would never miss it if they didn't get it. And you're right about that. You're totally right about that. But now this is the thing, is you're going to have opportunities as you move forward to to be in the shoes of this company, to make that same decision about other people in your life. That could be in relatively small ways, like the, uh, you know, dealing with a server at a restaurant that could be in bigger ways, like you're selling a piece of property or something. But remember this, when you have the opportunity to not do justly towards someone else, remember what this felt like. And in that you can redeem this really crappy experience. Meanwhile, we love you and we're praying for you. Absolutely right. Those are really fantastic stuff from all these guys on a very sticky and multi-layered topic. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, the bridgechicago.tumblr dot com you're checking out the song from this month's bridge box this is a spanish version hey of a little younger worship song yes. this is another uh, dip in the waters for the bridge espanol Ooh. this is the english title would be as i am the spanish title the version of this one como soy we'll take out that thanks for listening this morning. we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it the say that podcast feel free to steal our content we like cookies better than credit Ooh, nicely done <laughs> yeah. yeah it's also true when you can
Редактор 